Today's TribCast is presented by Masonry. How to win clients and influence site visitors with a brilliantly handcrafted website. See how Masonry does it at builtbymasonry.com. Texas talking, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, I'm gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas guys Hi, this is Tom Meckler, Chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, the strongest and biggest Republican Party in the country, who will be meeting harmoniously in Dallas this week for our state convention. I hope you enjoyed this week's TribCast, and now here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the TribCast for the first week of May. I'm joined by CEO Evan Smith. You feel very harmonious in here? Uh, it's always harmonious in here. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. I hope it's not harmonious in Dallas. That's not why I'm going up there. Executive <laughs> Editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. And D.C. Bureau Chief Abby Livingston, who we're happy to have in town for in, in person, in the flesh. Just off the plane. This is like that Tupac hologram, isn't it? She's not actually here. Oh, boy. Evan's talking about the Tupac. This is one of Evan's references to his youthfulness, right? When did I become young, and how do you not know who Tupac <laughs> is? Do I need to explain a hologram to you, too? All right. Well, speaking of people who are in two places, it sounds like sounds like uh, Dan Patrick has rushed up the highway um, up I-35 to Fort Worth in order to have a press conference this evening uh, about the Fort Worth superintendent's um, decision, basically to offer some um, some. specific circumstances for transgender students to use the restrooms of their choice and other policies. What uh, what on earth is he rushing up there for? Uh, to perform a Houstonectomy, you know, to do the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance thing, the North Carolina thing. This bathroom fight has been going on around the country. Um, and it's popular with Republicans, and they think it's a big issue. And so he's going to go up there and Stand in front of a bunch of TV cameras. In point of fact, the lieutenant governor can't fire or call for the resignation of the superintendent of the Fort Worth School District. Because he can call for it. Mm-hmm. Well, he can call for the heavens to open and for money to fall out. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. This and the is, superintendent has said, no way am Well, I the resigning. superintendent has said he's not resigning, but let's go back. The lieutenant governor has no power to get the Fort Worth superintendent to do anything or the Fort Worth school board to do anything. But ultimately, he can put a lot of political pressure on the community and on people who are like-minded to pressure the Fort Worth School Board to do something. It's a very smart political play that, from a process standpoint, has no connection to reality. I'm getting him tons that, of national but that, press But that today. may be irrelevant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, Ken Paxton, I just saw, weighed in on this. I mean, now, basically, it's like What took him so long? Everybody, I know. He waited, actually, Seriously. you know, eight hours or something. Eight whole hours, huh? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it sounds like— It's a like, big wake. you got to maneuver your way in there. Right. And look, the, the Fort Worth superintendent may, in fact, have done something dumb, whether it was wrong. What, and that is weighted, it? And that is weighted into—he had to have had his head up from the desk and aware of the world around him— enough to know that this was a major hot potato politically, to have asserted his right to put this policy into effect without bringing the community on board, he basically was inviting this to happen. If he didn't know about it, he should have known about it. Well, what's the, quote, community? Well, you can't I mean, put a policy like this He talked to his board. He did all of that stuff. Right. I mean, the, board, the board did not approve the policy. The policy yeah. came out of the superintendent's office. This was not. There was no open meeting. There were no parents brought in. So nobody knew about it. Nobody knew about it. And if you do this without anybody knowing about it, then it looks like you were trying to sneak one in when nobody was paying attention. 
and this sneak is a, one into the bathroom. This is a big <laughs> issue politically right now around the country that's being litigated at the highest levels. Just yesterday, the U.S. Attorney General had to weigh in herself on the North Carolina deal. So it wasn't a, a, a politically smart decision on his part, even if he had the right to make the policy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually a product of the Fort Worth ISD. Um, oh. See what happens? Yeah. So <laughs> Which bathroom did you use? Uh, it, I, you don't have to answer that question. <laughs> I, and my, I actually, my mother has worked in the uh, administration building, so I'm very familiar with it. Um, I, I think what's interesting is um, uh, the Fort Worth School District, I, I, it, it'll, it will be interesting to see how this plays out because um, I just I uh, wonder how many um, – I would think that many of the people who would take issue with this send their kids to private school just from my own anecdotal mm-hmm. experience. So how much this involves public school, private school politics would be intriguing to me. It's well, the most reli- reliably Republican big county in mm-hmm. Texas. Right. The, in, in fact, Obama won four of the five big counties twice, but lost Tarrant County mm-hmm. both times. That, right. was, that was the one, the right. one holdout. Look, Dan Patrick, Dan Patrick this morning made a linkage that I think is important to understand as we run into the... 2017 session, he, he had a problem with this policy on his face, but he also said this shows why we need meaningful school choice legislation. He's proving uh, to be true to his kind of conservative agenda and principles and looking for any way to advance in advance of a session to advance these issues oh. by linking them. So what's he going to do? Have straight-only right. schools? Well, and, and where does local control begin and end? I mean, you know, because you Apparently have— Apparently it ends in indoor-outdoor smoking bans and text while right, driving exactly. bans. Right, exactly. Right? I mean, and, you know, to sort of pivot to another big topic this week that all the that a lot of GOP lawmakers have had something to say about, this Uber-Lyft um, vote in Austin, you know, again, we're now seeing that there may be sort of statewide legislation to, to protect some of these companies. So, right. I mean— Well, they wouldn't say that. The people who are putting legislation forward wouldn't say it's to protect companies. They would say— that is to protect the economy or to protect employees of these companies or to give the consumers to give the consumers mm-hmm. this, or to give consumer know, service or mm-hmm. you know uh, so the uber lift thing was a, a thing that was on the ballot in austin the voters decided i think it was 56 44 mm-hmm. to um keep to to go with stronger regulations of the drivers of these ride-hailing companies like Uber and Lyft, Basically, and they would require the them specifically to or, uh, fingerprints. There were, there were rules about background checks, about taking fingerprints, and about using um, whether they could stop in traffic to let people off and pick them up. and And they opted for the stronger regulations. The companies didn't like it to the tune of about ten million dollars, like you know a major league shortstop's year's salary. Mm-hmm. Um, so one Biggio. Um, the I think I think that would be cheap. Second best, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, would be a, yeah, right. early Biggio. Um, and um, they spent a bunch of money, and it actually the campaign itself became more of a story with a lot of voters than what the campaign was about. A lot of people felt like it was heavy-handed. It it is about ten times what was spent on the last mayor's race right. in Austin. And um, anyway, they lost, and they said, you know, if you guys uh, pass this stronger regulation which they helped put on the ballot, by the way, then we'll leave town. Well, so on I, Monday, I, I, mor- Monday morning, they said, we're going to leave town. If this initiative doesn't pass. This right. initiative. If it doesn't pass, right. we'll leave. Right. Right. That's right. what they yes. said specifically. Right. If it de- and, and, and my concern as a voter, not as a journalist, was I read the ballot language and I was confused. It was to, like reading math out loud. It was it was a it was a piece of word algebra. It was, I'm not it was sure that a lot of people worded. by the end knew if a vote for Prop One was a vote for rideshare or a vote against Prop One was a vote against rideshare. 
I don't. I think a lot of people didn't know what the hell they were voting. I, I, I don't think, think either Uber one. Lyft, yeah. I don't think either one was a vote against rideshare. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I think if Uber and Lyft hadn't spent eight million dollars on this, frankly, it probably would have passed. You know, propositions four propositions on the ballot generally pass. <laughs> there was nothing else right. on the ballot in Austin. Very low. You know, that's a very low turnout issue. The problem was everybody started getting these mailers, and the mailers looked like they contained factual inaccuracies. And the only thing that pisses off this tech-savvy city more, you know, than 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 that is, you know, being told that a sort of big business is stepping in and telling them what to do. Right. So. Right. So the, you know, everybody's sort of back to the drawing board. Then on, you know, within hours of this vote coming in, Charles Schwartner, a senator from Georgetown um, nearby Austin, I think they hate being called a suburb of Austin, uh, <laughs> but nearby Austin uh, said, you know, I'm going to weigh in with statewide legislation. And I talked to him on the phone and he said, you know, the the issue doesn't stop at the city limits. You know, people from Georgetown go to Austin, you know, you're crossing these lines. It's this argument that we've heard from the Texas legislature before. You cross a line, an invisible government line, and you've got a patchwork of laws, and the laws are different here and here and here. Now, that said, the legislature is remarkably inconsistent about right. that. You know, plastic um, bag bans. Plastic uh, bag bans, texting bans. while driving laws. Fracking. In um, uh, fracking was the other one that's kind of analogous to this. The voters of Denton, uh, the city of Denton, said they didn't want fracking, hydraulic fracturing inside the city limits. Um, they voted it out. The legislature voted it back in and said you don't have the right to do that. Looks like Shortner's trying to do the same thing. And there's a larger issue which you companies. alluded to this morning in your column, and that is at what point does the state overruling the will of voters become a problem? You know, um, the, the problem with democracy is it's messy and that sometimes people vote what they want. And mm -hmm. if you're in government and you don't like how the public votes, you mess with that at your own peril, mm -hmm. right? What does this mean for other Texas cities like Houston where this is going to come up? Well, I, you know, there, there are other issues where the legislature disagrees with what the cities are mm -hmm. doing. And one of, the, one of the issues at the bottom of this is that the cities are more liberal than the state is. The big cities in Texas with the exception of Fort Worth, are... are um, and for the, with the exception more, of Denton, which voted for Greg Abbott two to one over Wendy Davis. Yeah, I don't think the problem with Denton was that it was too well, liberal. But a lot of these cities are more democratic than the state, and a lot of them are doing things that the red state's legislature doesn't like and, mm -hmm. and that they feel the need to step in on. Look, there's a lot of things that these cities do that the state hasn't felt a need to step in. You know, Evan pointed out, you know, texting while driving, uh, smoking bans. Mm -hmm. Neither of those has ever been able to get out of the legislature um, and I don't see anything changing there. It's mm -hmm. just this one set them off. It's a red state legislature. It's the bluest city. Go. Right. I have a question as an outsider. Um, was the information inundation so heavy that, like, I took Lyft to the airport this morning, and could a scenario have happened from, from, this morning? From Washington. From right. Washington, yes. Um, someone could have needed a ride to the airport or somewhere they needed to be, turned on their app, and were, was surprised it wasn't working, mm -hmm. and... To me, I'm just intrigued with the politics of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, I do people think are, people are mad. People are pissed. I mean, I do yeah. think you know, even people who who voted against it are suddenly you know woke up on Sunday morning, uh, right, hungover, or wanting to go to brunch, and we're like, <laughs> oh shit, what have we done here? Well, there are a lot of people on social media who are claiming that now there's a massive cab shortage, and that you know they've tried to get a cab, and they well, it took them 30 minutes, and then they got right. in a cab, and there was something equivalent to surge. Pro I don't know if the, these are. A, or true stories or if these are right. just, you know, an anecdote that is constructed to prove the point of the person right. tell, I did, telling. I did not hear from one person in the city of Austin in my range of friends, however limited that is, that um, we really needed to 
do the cab companies a solid here. <laughs> you know, they don't right. they don't have a lot of fans. <laughs> yeah. so, so I I think as a practical matter, let me just tell a, a, a personal a piece of this. I have a daughter, as you know, who's in college in a big city elsewhere. And I believe that I am single-handedly keeping the valuation of Uber up <laughs> with all the credit card bills I'm having to pay monthly and all the use of Uber that she engages in. She's a college student, and she's occasionally out having a good time. And my conversation with myself is, well, would you rather she be in somebody else's car driving who might have also been out having a good time? Or do you feel comfortable or safe with her in the back of an Uber? I'm absolutely open to the idea that there are public safety issues here. And that for a lot of people, the vote is a very personal decision. And I'm an, and I can confess, I'm an Uber user in your city, Washington. I'm an Uber user in other cities, but I also see the other side of this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a complicated. Mm -hmm. I come back to the fact that, as you said yourself, Emily, this became about the process rather than the substance. Right. Right. It became about the tactics of one side or the other side. And some people who may have started out on one side were driven to be on the other side by those very same tactics, mm -hmm. right? Austin has right. also a weird history of prop, uh, on propositions. There was a school bond issue a couple years ago that everybody thought was going to pass. Affordable housing went down a couple right. years ago. Right. Yeah. Who the hell votes these days, and especially in these off-day right. elections? Right. Yeah, this was the only thing on the ballot. It took longer to get your voter ID credentials than it did to, to actually my, vote. My right. polling place when I went in to vote on that uh, on Saturday was completely empty. So was mine. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, talk about the story that is currently blowing up our website. And that's some comments that Heidi Cruz made uh, this morning in a prayer call. Abby, are you up to speed on this particular call? Uh, I, I skimmed the article. Uh, <laughs> so if someone else wants to chime in, I was more Digging prepared for the exact quote. Uh, yeah. Just vamp for okay. a minute. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, our uh, champ reporter, Patrick Zbitek, reported on this. And uh, uh, Mrs. Cruz essentially... I'm going to let Ross. Yeah, do you it. can say it. She basically went there. I mean, she seemed to be comparing, um, you know, Ted Cruz's sort of arduous presidential campaign to, and some of the things he, they stand for, to the fight against slavery, which she referred to as a 25-year fight. In my um, history lessons, the fight to end slavery took a hell of a lot longer than 25 years, did it not? She you said, want to read the quote? Yeah, she said, be full of faith and so full of joy that this team was chosen to fight a long battle. Think that slavery, it took 25 years to defeat slavery. That's a lot longer than four years. Um, so that's what, what is she referring to? She's, I, she's referring to their campaign. I mean, what is she referring to in the 20? I, I want to understand the 25 years reference. The what only is the 25 thing years I can reference? possibly think is the, the movie 25 Years a Slave. Tw 12, 12 Years a Slave. Oh, Maybe right. You, so you they, see it twice? Is that yeah. what happened? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Right. 12.5 times. Uh, so, I, I mean, and then, so 20, it took, somebody said on Twitter that it took 250 years to end slavery. Not So maybe she's dropped to zero. Yeah. Uh, but, I, I don't know where she got her 25 but years. Four but, years. But to the, me, the more interesting number is actually, if you're trying to say what she's talking about, she says four, is, you know, she says four years, which is a presidential cycle. Until uh, the next cycle. Right. right. I mean, so to me, that's a direct comparison between ending slavery and a presidential cycle, right? I mean, how else can you interpret that? I just think she just had a presidential cycle on slavery in the same sentence, and that's where she's in trouble. The, the, you know? the, the problem is the reference to slavery. It's a little bit like when people make references to Hitler. You know, just don't. Mm. Just, just right. you know, I, I feel for her. Right. I do. I'm sympathetic. It's been hard. It's, it's been hard. arduous. It's right. not slavery. You, 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 I just think it's diff You mentioned slavery is an actual thing. Most people would go, 
yeah, this isn't slavery. Mm-hmm. And right. there's, not, there's not even a, an, an adequate comparison. It's just it. there are some things you just never bring up, like in that context. You don't compare, right. you know, you don't compare things to the Holocaust. You don't compare things to slavery. It just seems like something that was destined to go viral. Well, you know, I, a lot of those kinds of things were truer before Donald Trump started running for president. Everything you know true. is wrong now, right? You can right. say, you can you can say, say a lot of things we didn't want. think you could say. Right. You can tweet so. a taco bowl right. uh, on... My, my, my friend Arturo just uh, texted me. He said 25 years is how long it takes to get a cab in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. I, I think... Connecting those two yeah. segments. Good job, Go back yeah. to work. It, yeah. I had a conversation <laughs> last week about Michelle Obama that's just kind of fresh on my mind with that. And she um, had several controversial statements when uh, President Obama ran for the presidency in 2008 and 2007, and it's most, mostly been forgotten. So I, I'm just curious how long this will stick with her. Um, I mean, the campaign is over. It'll be three years, four years before. I think it's already forgotten by everybody but us. Right. Know? I think it was a mm-hmm. potato chip. So Let's her husband by. then gave a, a press avail in the Senate when he returned to the Capitol today, post Heidi Cruz's comments on the call, and he declined pointedly to endorse Donald Trump, and he said he would rule out a third-party bid and, you know, attack the media, the very media he was talking to, which I always think is kind of interesting. Right. Well, he, right. he had an interview this morning so, as and, well, right? And that's more, yeah. or less, that's more or less overshadowed already, the Heidi Cruz comments, but, you know. Mm-hmm. And in that news veil, just as the person who spends a lot of time at the U.S. Capitol, what I was intrigued with was also he said he would happily remain an outsider, which is something that everyone in Washington is watching for. There were some people who thought he might change course, try to be more constructive and get legislation passed. And uh, Do you think that? I, I've covered Ted Cruz for a long time, and I my instinct was— Probably not. Especially but. if he continues to have aspirations for office beyond uh, the Senate, which, of course, John Cornyn <laughs> thinks he does. Right. I mean, the, the logic with some of these sources I had is, well, what he has to show something after being in the Senate for, I guess, eight years by then. Like, where where is this coming from? But um, I think it was also a lot of wishful thinking. So. I don't think he got a single signal during this race that the voters wanted him to behave. Be, m- be more likely to behave. I, I mean, I think, if anything, he reinforced yeah. his own sense that if, what they want is for well, him to behave. Well, if there was a tone right. mistake on that, it was, you know, there was a period right. in this race where mm-hmm. Cruz began saying, I'm now the establishment candidate, which I think was probably not exactly what the mob wanted to hear. It, it was the, the mob. The, R. Ramsey mm-hmm. and Texas Tribune. <laughs> the idea was you know, he voters. focus on things like uh, a, a flat tax, balanced budget amendment, that kind of thing. If right. he would focus his energy on something tangible that would make the conservative base uh, and show progress, that that was the the scenario laid out. Ted Cruz relishes being the turd in the establishment punch bowl. He does. Mm-hmm. You know that. And he's going back to the Senate to be exactly that. You know that. He is. Well, he also made some comments this morning about the Nebraska primary that seemed to indicate maybe the I'm not dead yet. And he oh, was, he kind of walked that back a little bit in the press conference this afternoon. He walked it a little bit. I, I was confused by that. And so it's... it's. What did I, he... What I mean, so his comments in uh, He said, Nebraska. look, I'm not going to win Nebraska. I mean, he, right. he, he didn't actually close the door it's on the, the Granger idea that he did win or, or that things right. turned around, he might get back in. But, you know, there was this whole question, Abby, as you know, that whether his comments that today to Glenn Beck that he might get back in if things turned around mm-hmm. were a joke or, not. or if they right. were serious. They were right. reported as serious by many outlets, including us. I think the Washington Post reported it as a joke. There was some laughter around it, but I, I don't know. I mean, Irony or not. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. I, I just, I think all of this talk, I think it's Donald Trump, and I think that's what we're watching, the reality of that in 
Washington, and it's it's I've never seen Washington like this since the financial crisis, and it's just a very strange moment in our nation's capital. One thing that Ross and I were talking about earlier today is the fact that Cruz is is not releasing his delegates in some states as a way to give him leverage at the convention to affect the platform. Right. Right. He wants the platform to have all these conservative planks. Right. Which is totally fine. It's his right to do it. The process allows that. My question is, who gives a crap about the platform at the end of the day? Platforms have always been more conservative or more liberal than the nominees of the parties. It's a victory, but it's Pyrrhic at best. At well, the end of the this, day, the platform's not going to bind Donald Trump yeah, this to adhering to it, right? This nominee's less likely to file to to follow the directions than anybody before him. I mean, right. I mean that's what he's got if here. the Cruz people want to have a more conservative platform, they can have a more conservative platform. I'm just not sure it guarantees more conservative government. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So what was his reception like uh, in Washington today? I don't know if obviously we were dragging you here to Austin, but I mean, you know, we saw Rubio got a, a pretty warm welcome, did he not? Uh, I don't believe votes have happened yet. So that he went uh, to his office, and yeah. there he were was just mobbed in the hall. In his office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. um, but that was—I oh, hey. was all excited because I thought he would be back last night when they had their first vote of the week. And I—the one I wanted to watch was how does John Cornyn? Because uh, when Rubio, as you mentioned, returned, Mitch McConnell himself personally walked him into the chamber, and Republicans came and hugged him and patted him on the back. And I, you know, I'm just curious: does Mitch McConnell escort Ted Cruz back? Right. Into What's the that going to be like? Maybe Mike Lee brings him a Jim Jim. But that's it. <laughs> I'm not sure much else happens. Yep. Well, one person who has uh, come out on Team Trump in recent days is former Texas Governor Rick Perry, who uh, at one point, uh, I think, was the first to call Trump a, quote, cancer on conservatism. Yeah, so had, what gives here? He had a big speech. It's still up on his website. Uh, you know, the title of the speech is Donald Trump is a cancer on conservatism. And <laughs> right. it proceeds from there for, you know, 20 minutes. That's, that's president it cancer was, on conservatism. Right. <laughs> right. You, buddy. Yeah. Uh, it it was last July, and Perry came out uh, last week, uh, I guess last Thursday, uh, and said, you know, I'm going to be with Trump. And uh, I wouldn't say no if he asked me to be vice president. So back in that, you know, job searching mode, I guess. I was I was at that speech and the cancer on conservatism speech he basically called him a carnival barker also. And so um, I was thinking about that speech the morning after it became clear Trump was the presumptive nominee. And I just remember and I had several Texas Republicans quote it to me. And then I either hours or a day later to hear Perry flipped. It just makes me wonder what he was going through his mind in July. I mean, was this a political tactic or was this? Uh, it's both are political tactics. I mean, that's what's right. amazing. Sincere. That's he the, actually got, you know, he got quite a bit of credit early in the campaign for being the first one to come out and really slam Trump. The, the only the guy with the is, guts, right? The only guy with the guts. The problem is it didn't work. And now he's, you know, this is clearly a political. Let, let's, let's acknowledge Perry's not the only one to do this. I think Rand Paul called Trump something like an Oompa Loompa or a Skittle or made some <laughs> Skittle. Something <laughs> Some, some right. orange something 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 right um, and he's now basically said I'll support the nominee there's an epidemic of, of there's an epidemic of well, this. Right. This Perry's is, is a little bit Perry's is a little yeah. bit more aggressive and full-throated he's That's a great businessman he's run a right. great campaign and and the, the the second thing is it makes me at least feel more warmly toward the people who have stuck by their convictions and said I'm not going to support this guy because if you've said all this awful stuff and then you turn around and suddenly support the guy. I understand that's politics, right. but you just look like an idiot. Well, right. that's what I was going to say. You know, this is kind of where Cruz is. You know, Cruz more recently, in fact, a week ago today, 
Um, Pathological liar, blah, blah, blah. Cut a Hillary Clinton right? commercial, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he basically said, said everything bad you could say about Donald Trump. If he does come around, and I expect that he probably will come around, uh, it's going to take a little while. He's going to have to get over this a little bit, um, get out of the limelight for a minute, you know, take a nap, rest up, and, and come back out. But when it comes down to the reset here, when the primary is over and both of the parties have nominees, all the Republicans are going to look at this and say, okay, so it's between not my first choice yeah. and Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And I don't really don't like Hillary Clinton or, I'm, you know, that – that, that applies on, by the way, that applies on both sides. Mm-hmm. We are now in the referendum stage of this election, Trump right. versus not Trump, Hillary versus not Hillary. Right. We're about to be in the choice stage. And when it's in the choice stage, Democrats come home, and I suspect most, if not many, Republicans come home. As much as they may not be able to stand him, they dislike her more. Right. I'm right. not sure I'm right? there, just given that what we saw the Speaker of the House on television last week, Paul Ryan, basically give permission to other people to hesitate. You don't Maybe. think when he meets Trump this week they're going to come out all smiles? I don't know. I've never Boy, seen anything surprised. like this. I, I, he is worrying about his down-ballot members of Congress, and he's trying to give – I mean, there's a different makeup in different districts, and he's trying to give people room so they don't feel like they have to mm-hmm. go in on him. Yeah. And um, one other interesting thing about Perry is um, I wrote a story about the, the donors in Texas, given that that's where a lot of our weight is in the uh, general election, is giving money. And I, I talked to one source uh, who's in the fundraising world, and I asked what would it take, and this was even before Perry endorsed. I said if Perry somehow endorsed him and got on the phone and asked donors to give, and the source said no, it's Cornyn and Abbott who matter in this in in convincing donors to give to Trump. Well, well Abbott is Abbott is for Trump. Cornyn is not for Trump. Abbott's not full throated yet. Oh, Abbott is three quarters throated. Yeah, but not calling donors. No, no, throated. no. But yeah. but Abbott was among the first of the Republican governors after the the presumptive nominee phase kicked in to say not Hillary. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, he, you, you can get there by saying, I don't want her, you but can at the infer end of the day, he he's yeah. for Trump. Mm-hmm. He hadn't said it yet. Well, Cornyn, I don't know that Cornyn has said that. On no. Facebook, uh, Michael Bullock asks, does Perry even have influence? I mean, you know, does... Ask, do, ask Don Buckingham. Yeah, she's right. hoping so. Yeah, right. And Tom I mean, Meckler. And, right. Do people care right. where, where Rick Perry comes down on this? Yeah. Nah. Probably not. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably. they'd already probably passed off. You know, their I mean, they are going to look at they are going to look at their you know they are going to look at their stars, and you know, Perry's one of those. He's not the only one. They're going to look at their stars and see where they go. I'm I'm very curious when we get to the choice stage of this race to see where the national security elites go. You know, from the previous Bush administrations, from you know, um, do they go with Clinton or do they go with? Trump. And if you're a Republican, you're looking at all of these kinds of stars and saying, well, I'm comfortable doing this or I'm not comfortable doing this. And that's going to help you make your decision. You think Perry is possibly going to be Trump's running mate? No. I was going to say, if you're Uh, Donald Trump, what does Perry provide for you? I don't rule it out. You'll win Texas. No, wait. You were going to win Texas anyway. Right. Right. The Republicans could nominate Barack Obama against Hillary Clinton and win Texas. Come on. Honestly. That's an interesting race. I no, seriously. <laughs> there's not a chance in hell, not a chance in shit well, so that the Republicans lose Texas. That's I've, why I'm saying why, why put Perry I've in. always thought he, would, he could be a secretary of agriculture, or uh, I've, I've, I've always thought that when I watched him in the presidential campaign, even if this thing didn't mm-hmm. shake out. Secretary of the Air Force? I, this, other reporters right. have thrown around defense. I, I, they're, they're, he was not completely discounted on the national scene on that front. That's great. He was not completely discounted. <laughs> Look, I'm going to come back and say I, I think the chance of Perry being Trump's running mate is greater than 0%. I don't think it's no chance. I think there's no chance of Cruz being his running mate. Yeah. I do think there's a chance of Perry being his running mate. 
I do. All right. Evan likes to hedge his bets on the trip cast. I mean, do you think that nobody thinks there's a chance? I think I it's. Think I think he's way, 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 way down the list. I will believe anything anyone think, tells me at this point I in think, this campaign. I think <laughs> Fiorina is a bigger, uh, more likely than Perry. Really? Look at that face. I, I think we. I think we you got think some. She's gonna, she's gonna go on a ticket with we that got, guy. We got, oh. we got some miles to. We got some miles around. to go. But you know, who's the best? Answer to whatever you think Trump's deficiencies are. Jeff women. That's Jeff part Sessions. of it. Women. It's part of it, and it's he part can't of it. Part mitigate his deficiencies with women or Latinos. It's partly a woman or a Latino. What do you do in national security? What do you do overseas? What do you do, Secretary of State? He all has that to kind double down on the base he's gotten here. This is a Daryl Royal election. Dance with the girl that brung you. This is you have to you you double down. I love the but poorly educated. No, I think he goes with. A dyed-in-the-wool kind of Trumpian elected official like a Jeff Sessions. I really do. Well, I from, don't think he goes the other way. From what I've heard, he's indicated he wants someone from Capitol Hill to move his legislative agenda. So Perry doesn't fit in that category, mm-hmm. but right. we will see. Right. Right. Uh, all right. Well, you two are going to the state GOP convention um, at the end of this week. Thank what? God, I'm not. <laughs> what are we in for? What are you I'm all in for? Watch well, you know, we were getting ready for this big delegate fight, which we're not going to have. Cruz is out, and so we're not going to have the, you know, the choosing of delegates and all the, you know, Game of Thrones double crosses and all of the stuff that we were kind of expecting. There's a race for chairman of the GOP between two very different characters, Jared Woodfill from Houston and Tom Meckler, who's the current chairman and is getting most of the endorsements. You know, I think Meckler probably wins that, but that's not over yet. We're going to hear from Ted Cruz, it looks like. I don't think that that's completely um, inked in, but it's penciled very heavily Pat, on Saturday. Patrick thinks he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I expect, sure I expect he'll, he'll talk. Uh, I'm curious to see, you know, the the, Friendly crowd. the bathroom story is breaking at the beginning of the week, and, I'm, and there's a lineup of and state co- officials. And this is in the Metroplex. Right. 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 There's, I mean, all this a, is happening There's a there. lineup of state officials speaking on Thursday morning, and I'm curious to see, you know, sort of the, you know, this is the relative political height of these guys, you know. Does Paxton get more clapping, or does Patrick get more clapping, or does Abbott get more clapping? You know, how does that go? Um, You're going to have your be little, a, like, uh, decibel meter right, yeah. standing in the audience. I, I think this Boy, is going to be a— and that's interesting. So Paxton's speaking at pa- the convention. Paxton's—yeah, he's not speaking on Thursday. Sid Miller speaking? Sid Miller and Paxton are speaking on the same day. The, Donna Duke speaking? I don't think Donna Duke's is a Republican <laughs> just, just yet. Just kidding. But, uh, uh, yeah, we, have, we do have the police blotter day. That's probably Friday. Yep. <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> I think what I'm most intrigued with is uh, I saw a lot of anger coming out of— um, Congressman Louis Gohmert of Tyler toward Donald Trump and so uh, about the things he said about Ted Cruz. And so this, these are Ted Cruz's loyalists at this convention. And so, I mean, these, I mean, he accused Ted Cruz's father of being a part of the Kennedy assassination, essentially. And so are these, what is the tone of the arena is my question. Will these people, is this, are they still in the, the grieving process or are they ready to get on the train? Mm-hmm. If Louis Gohmert is your barometer for what's up. Well, he may be a good barometer for the Republican delegates. Right. That, that may not be a big leap. But we are going to see, you know, when, when they had the Perry uh, portrait hanging at the Capitol last week, you know, the governor invites the crowd that's there. And it's like 150 people. And it's like 30 years of Texas politics. It's all right. mostly Republicans. Right. And beforehand, I was walking around asking people. And there was a crowd that was, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with Trump. That's our nominee. We're gonna, I'm going to stick with the party. There was a relatively small but kind of vocal group that was, no, hell no, I'm never voting for that guy. This is nuts. 
um, tell me about the libertarian. And then there was a big crowd of people that were sort of, I'm still sorting this out. So one of the things that, you know, we're going to repeat that exercise in Dallas and ask some of these rank-and-file Republican activists, you know, where are you in this The first category of people is interesting to me. When somebody says, I'm for Trump, they're for Trump. When somebody says, I will support the nominee of the party, you know that they're just crapping their pants wishing you would go away and not ask. You know that. <laughs> right. You know that. Right. Nobody says, I'll support the nominee if they're actually for Trump. Right. Well, one of, the preliminary, Trump. one of the preliminary answers was, are you writing this down? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I'm not yeah. writing it down. Okay, well, yeah. I'll tell you. Right. Yeah. I'll support the n- nominee is like, oh, my God, there aren't enough clothespins on my nose. Right. Right? Right. All right. Well, uh, if you would like to let us know what you think, you can email us at tribcast at texastribune.org. Thanks so much to Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of Evan, Ross, Abby, our producer, Todd, our man on video, Rodney, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Sit up straight, young lady. Yep. And Evan. You're a jerk, Todd.